0: Are you selling your shares, I should say? I'm, so
1: I'm not. I'm definitely long-term on this one. I, I probably won't be adding to my position at right. this price. Um, but no, I think that this is like a great company long-term. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that like AI wasn't sort of turning into kind of like a bubble a little bit. Right. But bubbles could go on for way longer than anybody thinks. I mean, you've got – there's – um. Gosh, his name's gonna escape me now, of course. But um, there's a guy who basically made himself famous by calling, and it's not Michael Burry, right? Uh, it's not the big, the big short. But basically, for calling, um, uh, it was tech stocks, right? And so, like in the early '90s, he saw that tech stocks were just like going crazy, and he was like, "Nah, man, those that's a bubble. It's gonna crash. I'm keeping my investors out of it, right? So, like, he kept his investors out of the Nasdaq companies for all of the '90s, and they avoided the .dot com collapse, right? But like, if you go back to when he first made his call in the early 90s, and then the lowest the market got after the dot-com collapse, his investors missed out on like 45% gains because right. he was 10 years early on calling the bubble. And so like, he's back again being like, oh, it's a bubble. And I'm like, sweet, we got 10 more years of gains. All right.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. I'm Jason, again here with jason yeah only do jason's here
1: yeah man it's a powerful name jason
0: williams um welcome back this is probably the fourth one we've done in in a while at least yeah so i'm excited i particularly want to talk about nvidia yeah because i mean they crushed earnings earnings again Uh you know it already was a trillion dollar company and now so and you were telling before we got on there you you've been in nvidia for a while i
1: have been i have been so this is uh this is one of my probably one of my most successful investments uh and i never expected it to go like this you know um but yeah back in like 2017 2018 something like that my niece's dad was telling me he worked for uh for a defense contractor at the time that like they used nvidia's chips and i was like ah but they only make like gaming like graphic processing units and he's like dude they're so powerful you can run anything on those And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So if they're the best GPUs, then that means they're, like, the best at probably everything else. Let's start buying some shares. So it was probably, you know, in, like, the $20 to $40 range back then. And I just sort of kept accumulating. And then it turned out they were great for mining crypto. And they went crazy with crypto. And then the crypto market crashed and NVIDIA came down with it. And it got down, like, close to 100 bucks. And I was buying shares then, too, because I thought that that was – you know it's a great company and I figured it was going to come back eventually I didn't expect it to come back that fast but like within a year it's up 300 percent, I think you know on this AI madness
0: yeah those the gamers were sort of I mean around that time were like pissed because they were trying to buy these GPUs for gaming and Mm -hmm. all the crypto bros were snatching them up for mining um so that's interesting. I mean, what's your what's your long term take on on that on the Nvidia sort of thing? Is it is it sort of oversold here or, or overbought here? We're gonna have a correction or or what's up? Are you selling your shares? I should say. I'm, so
1: I'm not. I'm definitely long term on this one. I I probably won't be adding to my position at right. this price. Um, but. No, I think that this is like a great company long term. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that like AI wasn't sort of turning into kind of like a bubble a little bit. Right. But bubbles could go on for way longer than anybody thinks. I mean, you've got there's um gosh, his name's gonna escape me now, of course. But um there's a guy who basically made himself famous by calling and it's not Michael Burry, right? Uh it's not the big the big short, but basically for calling um uh it was tech stocks. Right. And so like in the early 90s, he saw that tech stocks were just like going crazy. And he was like, nah, man, those, that's a bubble. It's going to crash. I'm keeping my investors out of it. Right. So like he kept his investors out of the Nasdaq companies for all of the 90s and they avoided the dot com collapse. Right. But like if you go back to when he first made his call in the early 90s and then the lowest the market got after the dot com collapse, his investors missed out on like 45% gains because right. he was 10 years early on calling the bubble. And so, like, he's back again, being like, "Oh, I's a bubble," and I'm like, "Sweet, we got ten more years of gains. All right."
0: Right. It's you know, it's one thing to know that something is a bubble and it's another thing to just miss out on the gains entirely. Yeah, exactly. So. Like I
1: know this is a bubble. Like I know that crypto is a bubble, but you know, I also know that bubbles, you know, bubbles take a long time to break and there's, you know, famous quotes about the market remaining irrational longer than you can remain solvent right. and you know, we wouldn't have those quotes if these kinds of things didn't go on longer than people expect. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to burst eventually. I mean, the Fed seems to be like on a on a course to, to to really try and break something, and then you've got Congress who's just spending tons of money, and they're kind of like pulling on both right. ends of a rope here, and one of them's got to win eventually. Um, you know. Well, I think <clears> it's
0: it, it seems at least obvious that AI is going to be a transformative oh, technology, yeah. and I, I, to me, it seems even more obvious than the dot com at at that time because mm-hmm. at least at this point like nvidia is a a company that sells a product that makes money they've been right. around for a while yeah. it isn't pets.com yeah no, there's or no like, negative even EPS amazon or... you know amazon obviously you know came out of it it was one of the few that sort of survived mm-hmm. that.com mm-hmm. uh crash so do you i mean so I'm assuming you're looking at it very similar. There's going to be winners and losers in the AI thing. Everybody's Definitely. coming up. I think they said the mention of AI in earnings calls this year has gone up like 45% or yeah, something. That's crazy.
1: AI replaced recession, which had replaced inflation, I right. think, you know, which had replaced coronavirus. Right. <laughs> so you have
0: to you have to look at these and there really is not that many pure plays, I guess, which is mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of where um things are going so what you know obviously nvidia is an sort of ai infrastructure play right yeah, the same way you would deal. right so the 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 reason everybody's piling in is they're like hey everybody's going to go all, all in on ai and they what do you need to run these large language models and yep. these big things you need chips you need processing yep. you need things specifically designed to and, run these and, things uh,
1: nvidia just sort of has like a head start on, right. You know, on a lot of the other companies. So, I mean, the other companies will probably catch up. I mean, you know, Intel is going to, you know, put a lot of money towards uh, towards developing chipsets for AI. Um, uh, what's there's one? that's like Splunk Works or something like Skunk Works. I don't know. Skunk Works is like where they make that the right. stuff. Uh, but it's another like, you know, um, small. I think it's like a mid cap um, semiconductor company. They're relatively new to the game. You know, they're not like a Taiwan semiconductor. They're not an Nvidia. Um, you know and there's one of the other things right is Nvidia they design the chips they don't actually make them um the fabrication goes on mostly at TSMC at Taiwan Semiconductor Mm -hmm. um so that's another one that it probably I mean you've definitely got geopolitical risk there because that could become China Semiconductor you know in the near future who knows um but uh yeah you've got those plays the Semiconductor plays a lot of people are going to tell you like uh Microsoft and Google because Microsoft has integrated chat GPT with Bing um its search engine and Google or Alphabet has integrated uh Baird a different you know generative platform with its Microsoft because Microsoft has that 40 billion dollar investment or 10 billion dollar investment into open AI right um say is it 40 was it like 10 and then 40. they have a huge investment into it but they've been making investments into other companies too you know more more pure plays where you know you've got companies that are um working on this one's really exciting I think um uh is is uh, communicative AI so it's like you've got this generative AI that like you can type a question in and it can type back to you and that's really helpful if you can read but if you're one of the, um, I think it's like billion, there's a billion people out there, almost a billion people in the world who are illiterate, like adults. You know? yeah. And We're not like talking about like little kids who haven't learned to read yet. These are adults who are illiterate. The Internet is completely useless for them other than maybe like Instagram.
0: You yeah. know, like they can look at pictures. No wonder TikTok's so uh, so but popular. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who can't read. And so if you could have conversational AI, like this software that can not only understand what you're saying, no matter what language you're speaking, no matter what, you know, dialect or accent you have, you know, it can understand a Southern accent just as well as it can understand an Australian accent. Right. You know, it can understand somebody speaking English with an Indian accent, you know, um, whereas, you know, some of the, the, the bots like... Like siri and stuff like that they have a little bit of trouble um with accents and things so this really like opens up the internet to all of these different people who who until now really it was very very limited for them you know now they can talk they can do like a talk search you know a voice search and they can get all of their responses back verbally um, instead of having to read through the pages uh then there's another company <clears throat> Uh, that's working on using AI to help with augmented reality. So we've been talking about augmented reality like forever, you know. Um, I always go back to um, Back to the Future Part Two, where like the 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 Jaws. It's like they're they're rerunning Jaws, and they have that like really cheesy hologram come out right. and they like, try and bite Marty McFly. Like oh ducks, it hides from it. And it's like we're, we're sort of getting to a point where it could be like that you know where we've got this augment where, where we could have augmented reality and and you know you think about like oh well, we could have advertisements or stuff could pop up in your glasses and be like hey don't forget to pick up the eggs you're going past the grocery store but you've also got stuff like companies that are using ai and using gps and sort of combining the two and making it so that you can sort of overlay a map Mm -hmm. onto onto the area that you're in. So, you know, either with your phone, kind of like Pokemon Go, where, you know, it, it overlaid the Pokemon onto the real world through your phone, it can overlay a map. So you can be a tourist in a completely new city that you've never been to and never get lost. You know follow it all around you know you can be at like a huge mall at that like mall of the americas right that's like the biggest mall in the country and know where every single store is and exactly how to get there you know you don't have to stop at that board and be like okay i'm here and i got to go here down three floors no you just hold up your phone and you follow the arrows right um just really cool stuff out there and and these are the companies that i think um and this is the cool thing is that. We're talking about this being a new technology, but these companies have been working on it for like a decade, some of them more, because this well, is not yeah. – this, this isn't the beginning. This is sort of like the culmination of all of that hard work. Yeah,
0: Have you seen – I'm assuming you've seen the Apple Vision Pro stuff and mm-hmm. that's going to – what do you – I mean, what, what do you think about all that? It seems like at the very least it's going to garner a lot of attention to this type of – Technology definitely are you going to buy one
1: um, I mean the price is a little bit prohibitive right now <laughs> but I'm sure that eventually you know everybody is going to have one they're going to be as ubiquitous as, as a smartphone you know right I mean, maybe not everybody has the Apple ones but I I definitely don't think that they're making a, a, a mistake you know putting putting a lot of work behind this because I yeah think it's, it's gonna be big. it
0: seems like the first generation and mm-hmm. they, they have plans for to make them smaller lighter weight mm-hmm. you know wireless or whatever because yeah. I guess you have like a battery pack now yeah. that you're sort of so you'll have your your early adopters in there yeah so um, so virtual or augmented reality augmented by AI I guess mm-hmm. um, we have the infrastructure plays what other are, are there any other types of to me it's almost like you know the internet is incorporated everywhere now ai seemingly is gonna be mm-hmm. you're not even in maybe even as short as a couple of years you aren't even gonna you know no one says like oh it's a dot com this is a dot com stock it's just like it's a tech stock right yep, it's, it's a tech you know stock. you don't focus on it having a website like of course you have a website so yeah. in five years yeah, of course you're using AI, of course. like which you could talk about which types of AI you're going to use, mm-hmm. I guess, generative or large language models or, or all this kind of stuff. But um, to me, it seems like it's going to pretty much impact everything.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And and what's interesting is that it's it's sort of um, unlike the Internet and the dot coms and stuff is it's sort of already been infiltrating the economy and infiltrating society sort of, you know, on the download you know it's been it's been quietly getting in there so we do lots of things with machine learning you know, there's tons of machine learning things out there. And everybody's familiar with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, And that's how they decide what goes on your feed. It's machine learning, it studies patterns, it studies things that you look at, you know, it it goes through data. And it's like it recognizes these patterns. And it says, Well, if they liked, you know, these things, then they'll probably like this thing. So that's going to go up on your feed. And so that's, that's a type of AI, that's just sort of the, the previous generation, that's the AI that is analyzing things and analyzing data. That already exists and then sort of making predictions whereas what's really jump-started this is the is the chat gpt is and the g stands for generative where it's actually creating new things you know and so you know we're starting to see it you look at the writers and the actors strike out in hollywood one of the sticking points is that they're like we want clauses that say you won't use ai to replace us and the studios are like nah
0: (laughs) yeah why it it seems weird that would be yeah like trying to I mean I guess maybe they tried to do that back in the day in the when the publishers went through. Remember it was like the publishers were like, no, we're not putting our newspaper on the internet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they and then people started doing it for free and they're like, okay, now we gotta do it. Now it's kind of reverted as they're like, no, we you actually have to pay for to uh-huh. subscribe to the New York Times and all this kind of stuff because yeah. everybody's using it. So it'll go in in waves on there. How much are you looking at your current portfolio to look at like AI risk, right? So you know, I always bring up the, um, Chegg or whatever. How oh, their yeah. CEO was like, yeah, ChatGPT is like basically fucking us over and yeah. then they tanked by 40%. <laughs> yep. He should have just kept his mouth shut, I guess.
1: Right. Or mentioned that they had their own TV Right, thing so, in the works. Right. What
0: are there particular industries that, that are, we're looking at that might just, if they don't keep up with AI, they're going to be, like people talk about the death of Google, right? The death uh-huh. of search because, uh-huh. you know, right now you have to go to Google You search, you know, hey, how do I do X, Y, Z? And then it gives you answer. You go to the website and you figure it out. Mm -hmm. If you have something like ChatGPT where or it's on your phone where, like you said, you don't even have to type. You just talk to it and it gives the answer
1: back. And you don't have to, like, scroll
0: through multiple pages. You don't
1: have to figure out how to ask Google the right way. Right. So
0: is that, yeah, is that model going to now die or, you know, somehow be supplanted by, you Evolve, know, I think yeah. would be the word. You know, right. I definitely
1: see a company company like Google is going to evolve. You know, they're right. not going to let this, you know, they're not going to become a blockbuster. Um, but there are definitely companies out there that are going to refuse to adopt it, going to refuse to evolve, and they're going to die off. I don't think that it's really, you know, any particular industry itself is, I mean, everything is sort of at risk of being disrupted. Yeah, but it's going to be more of an individual company type thing. You know, are you going to take advantage of this? Are you going to use it and, and, you know, be opportunistic about it? Or are you going to let other people use it and get better than you? You know, like I just came across a company um, that uh, the founder left a, uh, a major accounting firm. And basically he was like, we spend months using people to go over data like why you know oh well it's because we've always done that and we can get lots of billable hours if we do that and so he you know got a group together and they developed uh software that can basically do it better and faster you know so instead of taking a month and having a whole team you know you can gather your your data for like a week run it through this program and it'll find even more you know even more places where you can save money than than that team did over a month Right. And it's basically free because you don't have to pay the program. You just have to license the software, you know, so um, things like that, you know, and they're going to be companies that refuse to evolve. And, you know, if like the big accounting firms don't want to adopt something like this, well, then these small and medium accounting firms can really start taking their clients from them. And, and you know, a company that used to do, you know, mom and pop's diner, are now going to be able to do, you know, all of the Ace Hardwares in their state. We'll go with Ace because it's a franchise company. Right. You know, or all of the Domino's pizzas in their state, you know, and then like the ones who used to be able to do all of the Aces or all of the Domino's in their state, well, they'll be able to actually go after, you know, multi-state businesses or even multinational businesses and be like, look, yeah, we don't have the staff that they have, but we don't need it because we've got the computers that they don't. right. You know, we've got the programs that they don't. Um, so yeah, yeah I think big, it's going to be like that. There yeah. are a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, even in, in our industry, like in newsletters, they're like, oh man, it's going to kill us. And I'm like, are you kidding? It's making my job so much easier. Like, right? you know, it helps me with rough drafts. It helps me come up with catchy, you know, subject lines. Sometimes it's hard to come up with like the headings for your, for your paragraphs and it's like, Hey, like, this is what my paragraph's about. Help me come up with like some good, you know, some good ideas for it. You know, it's, it's like having a, it's almost like having an assistant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No. The big, um, I feel like the big irony here is I, for the longest time, people thought that sort of low wage, low skilled jobs would be replaced by technology first. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it is the quote unquote white collar, oh, yeah. quote unquote, you know, knowledge workers mm-hmm. that are actually being supplanted yep. Yep. by AI and the people that are likely have the most job security right now are the people that work with their hands, yep. are doing a trade, yeah, a highly, definitely. you know, a physical skill. Mm-hmm. That, it's good that you
1: say for now, though, because there's for now. definitely companies well, out got that are working ro- on automating things. Yeah, you
0: know? I just think the robot, the, the robot f- aspect of, you know, having a robot plumber or a robot carpenter right, build right. something for you it seems like that technology is a little bit further out than a lot of the stuff we've been seeing. That is all ones and to
1: have it on a job site. But there is actually there's a company here in Baltimore. It's a private company. It's very small. They don't have, you know, huge revenue or anything. Um, But uh, they have a robot that builds frames. So it'll build like the frame for the wall. Right. So they build all of the frames for the house inside their factory like inside their little warehouse here in Baltimore and they put them on a truck and they send them out to the job site and then people just sort of have to nail the walls together so you don't have to have somebody out there measuring cutting doing all of that stuff the machine does it back in the factory. And I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be something that moves forward. Uh, Because when you actually look at it, I know we're like diverging topics here. But um, carpentry, right, is one of the most expensive uh, parts of the construction industry. And it's because they're expensive to insure. Right. Right. People who do demolition, when they have an accident, the house falls down on them. You have to make one payout. People who do like welding up on like high rises, if they have an accident, they fall like 30 floors to the ground. Like you have to make one payout for them. But people who do, you know, carpentry, they cut their hand off. They can never work again for the rest of their lives. And you got to pay them forever. And then their family, too. And so that's really expensive, like, to get those insurance policies and things. So you can automate that process, man,
0: wow. There is, there seems to be a um, shortage of that. Every, you know, I've talked to people that have, like, do, you know, carpenter contractor work. Mm -hmm. One, they're all older. Yep. And the number one thing they tell me is that it's hard, like, the younger generation doesn't want yeah. to get into that trade. Yeah. And so it's become this like cycle where they can't get younger people to teach their skill to it. Mm-hmm. Likely because they were most of the younger people especially in, you know, this country have been brought up to say like, oh, like you don't want to be you don't want to work with your hands. That's mm-hmm. sort of like a blue collar thing. You uh, want to you need to go to college and you need to learn a skill so you yep. can do X, Y, Z. And over many uh, generations, they have been sold that Mm -hmm. and gone into massive amount of debt, (laughs) college debt to do that. And now they're having trouble finding a job. Whereas, hey, if you wanted to be a carpenter i bet you you can find a job like that oh so fast
1: there will be somebody to take you on as an apprentice they'll teach you everything Mm -hmm. that they know and then they'll hire you to to run a crew for them you know once they've taught you It's, it's definitely tough and you're absolutely right uh we actually um I run a uh, an investment newsletter called Main Street Ventures that we invest in private companies that are making their investments available to retail, uh, to right. retail investors. And so one of the companies we invested in is basically, um, it's called it's, it's closed. They closed their funding round. So I'll go ahead and name it. It's called Snowball Industries. And basically, what they're doing is they are rolling up these businesses like that. These are cash flowing businesses, plumbing, um, welding, carpentry, stuff like that. And like you said, most of the people doing it are older, and they're getting ready to retire, and right? Their kids don't want to take over the business, and they can't find somebody else to teach and, and take over the business. And they don't want to just close it, right? You know, they really like to see it live on after them. So they're literally selling to this company. And this company is going in and they're running the businesses, they're managing the businesses from a central office. And then you know going out and hiring staff and and keeping you know the family name sort of going and you know keeping that you know source of employment in the community and everything but they're literally like this opportunity exists because the people who own these businesses their kids don't want them right and they saw you know like and their they mom need... or dad or whomever supported you know a family of four with this business put them through college did all of these things right. and they're like nah i'm too good for it
0: yeah that's it, you see it um with restaurants um you know the little italy, little italy in baltimore mm-hmm. was was much larger and thriving you know 20 30 years ago and slowly the restaurants have closed down yep. and you know moved on because yeah they can't get the younger generation to want yep. to to want to take part in that a lot, lot it.
1: on the farm too yep. a lot of farm kids decide that they don't want to do that which I mean I totally I, it's understandable it's hard work you know it definitely is not it's not easy you know, you don't get to sit around all day and and you know farming especially because you know you're 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 taking care of dirt in the hopes that it gives you corn or soybeans or something right. later on, you know, so that's definitely, um, that's a tough one. But
0: it creates an opportunity because the, there's a huge demand for those skills right yeah, now. Everybody and Everybody needs don't,
1: food. We all, and, I mean, we got a housing shortage. Right. Somebody's got to build the houses, you know. Uh, yeah, Cars, I mean, there's tons of cars out there. They're super expensive. They're way more you know, complex. I, I My first car, I could like climb inside the engine compartment and work on it myself. Like now you need a computer degree just to open the hood. It's crazy. And I drive a Jeep. Like that's the most simple vehicle out there. And it's still too complicated
0: for me. Right. So you just recently bought a house, I right? did. So, I mean, how has that process been going with the high interest rates and just the housing sort of shortage? Um, so- I will tell you, we
1: went with, we went, uh, bought the house from a builder. Right. Um, which uh, as...
0: It's a different process then. Yeah.
1: And, and anybody who's bought a house from a builder or work with a builder knows that you always have complaints about the builder. But like, despite my complaints about the builder, he was able to... Sort of sweeten the deal for us in ways that a homeowner wouldn't have been able to. You know, he was able to throw in upgrades. Right. Um, you know, he was able to. Um, some of the bigger builders offer loans too, so they can buy down the interest rate. Right. You now do landscaping, but basically we got our driveway paved. We got a um, you know a garage door that opens on its own. You know, we got a, a fireplace thrown in, and this was also that we would pay his asking price. Right. Um, so that worked out really well for us. The interest rates were rough. I mean, you know, we locked in a pretty high interest rate, but now it's low compared to where they are now. I think now they're, they're above seven and a half percent for a 30 year mortgage, you know, I mean, which is still, you know, I always like to bring this comparison up. My parents, I think had an 11% mortgage, you know, at one point. Um, so seven and a half percent still low, six and a half percent still low, you know, historically speaking, this is, this is what normal interest rates look like.
0: Yeah. It seems, um, like there's going to be some sort of, uh, reckoning that comes in the in the market but there's still huge demand because mm-hmm. i guess they just aren't building enough houses yeah. or and
1: people you know everybody refinanced at like two and a half yeah. percent rates so, yeah i was one of them i know, don't plan on moving i have a 2.75
0: yeah. percent mortgage yeah. why would i why would, you why would to i move that and get oh, yeah. like a
1: seven and a half percent yeah line, you know um and
0: unemployment is still low mm-hmm. so i think that you know unless unemployment rises dramatically and people lose their jobs and yeah. then they have to foreclose they aren't going to be forced out of those true, homes true. so meanwhile you know sort of the younger generation is sort of left with trying to, yeah, you know,
1: figure it out, you know, pick up the scraps and stuff. And you also have this huge generation, you know, the baby boomers who are, you know, nearing, if not in retirement, they've got tons of money, you know, they can afford to come in and offer cash for a house, right. you know, so they can come in and buy up houses and then, you know, become landlords or just buy them as investment properties, you know. Um, and uh,
0: Yeah. What's your take on that? this whole, you know, corporate landlord stuff and I think the, the, this i i saw some stats that are like saying that oh 40 percent of the houses are going to be owned by sort of corporations in the net by like 2030 or maybe it's even definitely
1: i mean it's possible before so before world war ii america was a nation of renters you know most people didn't own houses it was the gi bill that really like helped uh, helped with that and you know the post war recovery um you know helped where where we had this american dream of like you know a house two bedrooms one bath you know a car in the driveway turkey in the oven um but before before that i mean my mom grew up in an apartment most people grew up in an apartment the people who owned their homes were like farmers and stuff like they owned their home because like you own the land that you farm on um but you know most people rented and i could totally see that happening and i have mixed mixed opinions about it mixed opinions because you know i don't like to see corporations owning everything that kind of makes me worry but at the same time, you know, a lot of these corporations are investable. They're, you know, they operate in uh, a structure that's known as a real estate investment trust. There's a real estate investment trust. You know, the majority of their assets are invested in real estate or mortgages or something related to real estate. And by law, they have to pay out 90% of their pre-tax profits to investors. So I love those at the Wealth Advisory. We invest in a lot of those. Right.
0: And, you know, you How have many... to have
1: corporate real estate in order to have REITs.
0: Yeah. Are those... Um... How much, are those mostly apartment buildings that a lot of them are investing in? Are they single family houses? Are they just a mix? So like, it's a little bit of both. Um right.
1: we've got one in the wealth advisory portfolio that literally its focus is um is, is mobile home parks.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I love I love. I love a good trailer park, man, let me tell you. So they just have, they get a bad reputation because you know, some trailer parks are kind of sketchy, but you've got really good ones. And and basically, I mean, they're, they're, they're a way that you can get a 20% return on your investment. Um, and you can actually do good for some people because you're providing affordable housing. Right. They're impossible to get zoned now. I mean, impossible to build a new one. Um, so we like this company because they sort of go out and they buy up the existing ones right. and bring them under their brand. They they you know they're able to sort of operate at scale, so they can improve on these places, repave the roads, offer you know trash removal and snow removal and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a company that we're investing. It's a private company that's sort of doing something similar, but on a smaller scale uh, in Main Street Ventures. And they've literally, you know, they've been doing this for about, I want to say two years now. And they're already getting letters from the tenants at their parks, thanking them for all of the improvements that they're making. And like, you know, we were worried when a corporation came in and bought the park, right. that you guys are doing so many good yeah. things. This is great. We love it here. We never want to leave. Um, so I love the trailer parks uh, and there are REITs that invest in those. There's others that invest in office properties. Those ones have just been pummeled. And honestly, yeah, the commercial real estate. A great contrarian investment right now. A well,
0: the return one. to office seems to be a, a big push. Uh, uh, I think last week, you know, Facebook said like, hey, they're they're basically demanding people retur- return return yeah, to office. JP Morgan
1: is the government's going to start having people come back. right. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, and when you start seeing headlines about, like, the death of the office and office space, like, ain't what it used to be and stuff like that, like, that's usually a really good contrarian indicator that we're at a bottom. Right. And we're probably going to come back up. Uh, We just added an office real estate investment trust uh, in the wealth advisory and... I mean it's great it's currently i, I think it pays like a 25 percent dividend right now because it, the stock has just gotten hammered so hard but it's still got most of its tenants people are coming back like it's well diversified yeah
0: i mean you have to think i mean you know part of the reason some of this real estate mess has happened is like you talked about hey you can't get trailer parks zoned or Basically, yeah. no one wants to approve yeah. any new housing no, because people- like,
1: oh, we don't have enough affordable housing. And it's like, well, let me build some. And they're like, no, no. you can't do
0: that. Yeah, like, no. exactly. And then they wonder why the prices go up with the you know with the low inventory and oh, all that, yeah, man. There's all that a kind great, of stuff. There's
1: a great story. It was like earlier this year, late last year, uh, Anderson Horowitz- the guy that, like, uh, he was an early, I want to say an early Facebook investor, like, made tons of money being, like, a venture capital uh, investor. Oh, uh, Mark Andreessen. Uh,
0: Andreessen, yep. that's
1: yep. it. Yeah. For me. And he's at Andreessen yeah, yeah. Anderson Horowitz. Yeah, he's one of the founders of yep. it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he was, like, lamenting, you know, how there's not enough affordable housing and we need to do something about this and blah, blah, blah. And literally within a week was also protesting an affordable housing community that was going to be built within, like, a couple of miles of his mansion.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. no yeah. Oh, yeah. Help these... People out, but no, 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 not, yeah, not Uh, next to my house. No,
1: no, I don't want them
0: there. Come on, yeah. So the city is interesting. The cities are going to have to do something. I think there's a lot of even in Baltimore, there's a lot of planned projects to. Convert some of the office buildings into apartments. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is just kind of crazy when you think about it in Baltimore. They're like,
1: oh, hey, let's spend like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to convert these things that were offices into apartments as opposed to like, you know, just fixing the 70,000 vacant houses that were made to be houses. Well, and they, what's, and
0: you see this out where I'm at too is one of the things that is, crazy about people talk about oh the average price of a home is going up people don't realize that if you compare it to the houses and like you said that our parents grew up in oh, the 1950s yeah. they're like three times the size yeah totally. right they got all these modern amenities yeah. and you know that i think you know the average house new house now i think is like something like 2500 square feet whereas uh-huh. you know back then you're comparing it to oh a new house and it's, it's like 1100 square yeah, feet exactly. so it, it, you're not really comparing apples to oranges. No, not at all. And so that's the issue, too, is people don't want to build affordable housing because they want to be able to, you know, charge a million Mm -hmm. dollars for a single family house. Definitely. And 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 the builders are
1: going to build, you know, whatever gets them the biggest profit margin. And that's going to be a luxury house. But the idea is that, you know, like people like you and me, you know, like we make we start to make more money. We're getting a little older. We can afford to buy one of these luxury houses and then we sell our house to somebody else. And that becomes their starter house but like some of us don't want to sell them like I'm one of those you know we didn't sell our house here in Baltimore No, nah, you're keeping it and renting it, it yeah. right you know we transferred it to a property management company we're going to rent that out um but you know then you've also got people who are just like you know well I don't want to move to the to the new place you know um I'm, I'm gonna hold on to you know I'm gonna hold on to this one for as long as I can and also I mean starter houses aren't starter houses anymore you know my my townhouse that was the first house that I owned but I think right now they're like, you know, Zillow or, or Redfin, you know, those the online real estate companies are estimating it's worth a half a million dollars. And I'm yeah. like, how can any first time home buyer afford to buy that? Right. You know, like that's not a starter house anymore. Right. You know, you got to go for one that's like falling apart at this point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But in, in answer to your question about, um, how, uh, how the new house has been? I will definitely say that um, labor prices blew my mind. You know, like I'll get quotes for a fence or a deck or a patio or something like that, and you know you're talking about okay. So let's let's say a a, a deck. You know, I got a thirty thousand dollar quote for a deck, um, which seemed ridiculously high to me. And then I like broke it down and look at it. It's like twenty thousand of that is labor. You know, and then the rest of it, I think it was even more than 20,000, more like 25,000. So it's like $5,000 worth of wood. And then twenty five thousand dollars to convince these dudes to show up and turn it into a deck. Yep, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and that's mind. cheap compared to what it was. I think last year, or the year before, when lumber prices was oh, were up. Yeah, uh, yeah that I, was crazy. Yeah. I
1: redid the deck on our house in Baltimore around that time, and it was actually only about I want to say overall a hundred dollars more for me to put down that TRX composite. Yep decking the trex decking yep. yeah so i put down composite wood decking because it was like 100 bucks more and you don't have to mess with it for like 50 years I was like that's a good deal but i'll pay 100 dollars for 50 years worth of not having to stain that deck um, you know but now it would be like a thousand dollars more yep. because prices have, have moderated there um but yeah it's been crazy you know seeing how much um how much the labor costs and then you know how difficult it is for these guys to like get people yeah. to keep coming back you know
0: yeah, the the time frame when you can get stuff done has increased. Like, hey, we're six months out for this, and mm-hmm. it, it seems to be um, you know percolating through the in, the entire system. So, um, I guess we'll see what happens uh, in the in the rest part of this year. So yeah,
1: we will. Just a note to anybody out there listening who thinks they're too good for manual labor: UPS drivers are going to be making one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year hundred seventy thousand plus benefits yeah that's good money for carrying boxes man. absolutely good good money and know? i
0: think they're still they're still looking for to hire drivers too uh-huh,
1: they are what can so. brown do for you
0: a lot apparently <laughs> i might i might have to
1: pick up a, a route on my spare time yeah you know? no doubt mm-hmm.
0: all right well i think uh that's a good way to wrap it up we're gonna go apply to uh UPS to become a driver yeah you might uh, see
1: me delivering your package later (laughs) be nice (laughs) all
0: right remember to subscribe like do all that stuff and we'll catch you next time